For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo! Rebels, it's that time! Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebels? Hope you're having a great week. Ooh, do we have a good podcast today. We've got Mary Heffernan from Five Mary's Farms on the podcast today. Man, if you don't follow them on Instagram, what are you missing out on? Over 100,000 subscribers. Why? Because it's a dream so many people have. Leaving the city for the farm life and what it can do for your family. She has a great story. You are going to love it. Our podcast is sponsored by Save the Storks at savethestorks.com. Providing help to moms in need right where they're at, wherever they are. They build mobile ultrasound units called Stork Buses, partner with pregnancy resource centers, and help that mom with an unplanned pregnancy. More than four out of five moms choose life for their babies when they hear a heartbeat or see an ultrasound. I'll never forget seeing my kids on the ultrasound for the very first time. It is a life changer. This organization is saving lives every single day. Savethestorks.com is their website. Man, you are going to love this. Let's jump right into the podcast with Mary Heffernan from the Five Marys Farms on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. What's up, Rebels? So good to see you. We've got Mary Heffernan on the broadcast today, and today's broadcast is sponsored by Trinova Cleaning Products. We've been using, producer Kay and I were talking about it. Mary, we've got this new sponsor, and they've got all-purpose cleaner and dish soap, and when they sent it to us, I was like, I mean, it's all-purpose cleaner. How good could this possibly be? It's not like I haven't used this all my life. And it's plant-based, it's natural, it works insanely well. I couldn't believe it. And it's white tea time scent. It smells great. It smells good. It's not like this chemical overpowering, burn Mm -hmm. your sinuses out. It's really, really good stuff. So if you go to amazon.com slash trinova, T-R-I-N-O-V-A, code word rebel at the checkout, get you 20% off everything they sell. So we appreciate that so much. Thank you for being on the program. I was saying before we started, I've been following Five Marys. I don't know. My friend Marshall sent me the link. He's like, dude, you got to follow these people. They're so awesome. They moved from NorCal and they're farming and they do all this great stuff and they've got meat packages. (laughs) And I mean, instantly we fell in love with your story. Thanks for being on the program today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It looks so pretty. I'm super envious. I wish we were outside now. (laughs) It looks so great. So as deep as I am into your story, can you start off and tell our listeners, you know, how you moved to a farm, how you started farming, like where your life was compared to where it is today is a huge change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting for our listeners. It was probably um, one of the biggest changes we could make. But I grew up in Silicon Valley in the Bay Area. Oh, wow. And it was, you know, a place of hustle and bustle and opportunity. And I had a great childhood there in the suburbs. My dad was an attorney and my mom was a stay at home mom. And Brian grew up a little more in agriculture. His dad was a farmer and his mom was a teacher, but not raising animals like we do now. My husband actually went to law school and was a lawyer in the Bay Area as well. That's where I met him. And we started having our kids there. And we had four little girls all under the age of five. And we were on a mission for really good quality beef to serve at our restaurants. Mm. I've always kind of been an entrepreneur. I have different small businesses. You had a bunch of jobs, too. It's not like you were just being a mom at home. 
You were running no. nonprofits. Like, list all the things you were doing. It made me exhausted <laughs> hearing all that you were doing. It was like, you have four girls and you're doing all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we were doing a lot in the Bay Area. We had two restaurants and different businesses. Brian still ran his law practice. We were really involved in a lot of organizations down there. So we were busy. And, you know, we've never shied away from hard work, but it was a different kind of hard work, you know, in the suburbs and in the city. So on this quest for really good quality meat, we couldn't find exactly what we wanted to supply our restaurants year round. And we kind of just looked at each other and said, well, let's just do this ourselves. That's sort of always been our motto, you know, go big or go home and if you can't find it done, just make it happen. We bought a cattle ranch and our plan was just to come up on the weekends, which we did for eight weeks. It was about a six or seven hour drive with no traffic and four little girls in the car each way every weekend. Wow. Every weekend. Yep. And, uh, we just loved it up here and we really fell in love with the lifestyle and it got harder and harder to leave on Sunday night to go back to our weekday jobs. And they weren't really weekday jobs. You know, we owned our own businesses. So we would be up here on the ranch and get calls from the restaurant. You know, the hood's broken. The restaurant's filling up from smoke. We were the only ones who knew how to fix it. And so we looked at each other like we can't do both of these things well um, and we have to pick one. And so it was an easy choice. We picked um, ranching as a full-time lifestyle. It was not as easy to unwind the life that we'd created in the Bay Area. You know, we had to sell businesses and close a law practice and sell this house that we had worked so hard for that we thought would be our forever house. You know, it was this Mm. beautiful craftsman and right downtown with the pool and girls, Mm. they still shared rooms because they were so little. But, you know, it was kind of the house that we would grow old in. We sold it and moved to this tiny ranch hand cabin on the ranch that's 760 square feet where the girls had to share a bed. I don't think I told Laura that. Wow. So what's the square footage of your home in the Bay Area? It was like 5,000 square feet. Yeah, 5,000 square feet to under 800 square feet. (laughs) Our first apartment was about 800 square feet. It was two bedrooms. So I think about that. If there were six of us, and you went from having two full-time nannies to having no help in the home. What was that initial part like for you as a mom and as a wife and running this and having kids? What was that like? Well, it was a big, it was a lot of an adjustment, but I was really welcomed. I think because we were so busy in the Bay Area and we'd worked so hard for this house that we always thought we wanted. Once we got there, we were kind of looking around after dinner, like, wait, where'd the kids just go? Or I'd be in the kitchen doing the dishes by myself. And like, which room are we going to sit in after dinner? And then we come to this like teeny tiny cabin that has no heat, no dishwasher, (laughs) no nothing, no help. And it was like, wait, this is like, I'm so much happier here. You know, after Mm. dinner, the kids are all underfoot and Brian's sitting in his chair while I'm doing dishes and we're still talking to each other. And, you know, we Mm. also spent so much more time outside. So it's not like we were inside very often. And we come home at the end of the day and you don't want to have a big house to clean. And during the winter, you don't want to have a big house to heat. You know, we threw a a couple logs in the wood stove and that I can get that house cranking. So (laughs) it was an adjustment, but it was never like, oh, I miss that. It was more, I just it really reset our priorities in terms of what we wanted. You know, I'm like born and raised suburban girl. So my husband was like, are you sure you're going to be able to hack this? <laughs> but and we had an architect come and draw plans for a, a big, beautiful house that we thought, well, she's only going to be able to live here if she has a decently nice house. And so we had plans drawn. And when we went to go submit them, we were like, you know what? It's too early. Like we love this little house. Let's give it another year. And now, you know, those plans are out the window. It wouldn't be the house that we'd build now. Someday we'll build a bigger house. But my ideas was, you know, grand windows and 
big mm. views and yeah. we've just come to appreciate what it means to be in close quarters. And Wait, so you're still in the tiny cabin. We're still in the tiny cabin. Yeah, it's been five years. Whoa. Five years. We, Did you add anything onto it? I bumped up into the attic and so the girls share that attic room. Still. We just like put a staircase where a closet was and so they actually, it's like 400 square feet up there but it's, it's like you know, attic, on a boat. attic. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> Laura's so family, when she was five, they lived on a sailboat for two and a half years, a 45-foot oh sailboat. God. And I have three so, brothers. And, and she's so, got three brothers. So wow. it was three brothers, mom, dad, dog, and Laura. All on a tiny, on tiny. A, a Wait, so years. how old are your daughters now living together in 400 square feet upstairs? I mean, upstairs they in the are, loft. Uh, 11, 10, 8, and 6. 11, wow. 10, 8, and 6. Are they close? They are. They are. I they bet. get along really well. And they, you know, I think living in close quarters yep. and working together really helps them. You know, they solve their quarrels themselves and they yeah. know how to work together and they're always rearranging their room up there and, <laughs> you know, deciding who gets which corner. And I think it, you know, it's really good for them. Yeah. Yeah. So is there really not even room to actually have fights in a way? Like they almost have to get along out of necessity, right? Like you can't just have one person that's going to constantly buck the system and always be that strong spirited. I'm going to get my way. I'm going to do my own thing. When you're that close all the time and that's just how it's going to be indefinitely, do you just kind of have to get along? Well, I think so. And I think also, you know, I've really taken a hands-off approach since we moved to the ranch because there's just not a lot of time to devote to like fixing quarrels. And so, you know, if they come to me and say, well, so-and-so, you know, did me this injustice. And I'm like, well, did they do it to me? Like, no. Well, then why are you telling me? And they go back to that other person and solve it. And nobody likes to hear whining and fighting. And so if one of them, two of them are fighting, the other two are like, shut up, like, stop, you guys. We don't want to listen to that. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, helps them self-police and I have to do a lot less interfering. Mm-hmm. Mm. So how has that changed from when you were in the Bay Area? You know, that necessity thing. I'm going to ask this question a few times. If you were talking to your former self in the Bay Area when you had a lot of help and there wasn't the necessity of it, how would you have coached yourself in being more of a hands-off parent in a way? Mm-hmm. I would have just encouraged them to manage their own problems themselves, you know, and teach them early on, which we did because, you know, the youngest was one when we moved here. But just that they can solve it. Like you have to raise your expectations of your kids and they're so much better for it. You know, if you expect them to come to you crying every time, you know, so-and-so stepped on their foot, you're setting your, both of yourselves up for a lot of misery. Mm -hmm. But if you can, you know, say that, that happened to you and you can go solve it. And what I taught the girls to say was if they really didn't know how to deal with it and they needed my help to come and ask me for some tools. So instead of saying, you know, tattling, they would say, well, so-and-so hurt my feelings and I need some tools to know how to deal with that. Mm. I would say, oh, I'm really sorry you got your feelings hurt. It sounds like you need to explain why you've got your feelings hurt and talk to them about it Mm. and send them away with no satisfaction that they just tattled and -and so-and-so is going to get in trouble. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Mm. My sister's four and a half years older than me just brought this up at Easter. Like I would get in trouble for things when I was your age and I would go to mom and dad and tell them that you did the same thing and they wouldn't get you in trouble. Like they did me and it wasn't fair. And you know, I'm almost 49 now. It's like, wow, we're still (laughs) talking about this. That's really interesting. So it's just a different approach to say, here's some tools to help you through a situation you can handle on your own. 
Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. When I love the forethought you're having about teaching them to work out their differences together, like in Matthew 18, where it says, you know, if you have aughts with your brother, go to your brother. Don't go to your neighbor. Or don't. I mean, we want our kids to come to us on the big things, of course. But I think for me, I had not a lot of parental advice in between us siblings and we had to work it out and still to this day people are like wow you guys are really close but it was those two and a half years living on a boat where we were forced to get along and yeah. find ways to communicate that didn't hurt each other or isolate all, all of us and I see that yeah, you're doing that with the girls you. yeah Use, you know co-workers or employees or whatever's going to happen in your later life yeah Mary, I think a lot of parents struggle with not believing their kids are capable of doing a lot of that stuff yet. For sure. Like someday you'll be able to do that, but not at this age. At this age, you need much more interference from mom and dad. How do you encourage parents that your kids can do it, that they're totally capable, that it's you that's interfering? And, you know, for a lot of parents, it's scary to pull back and to be like, but, well, you know... Every other parent out there is involved. You know, that helicopter snowplow, you know, they're filling mm-hmm. things out for them. Um, how do you encourage parents to let them know, listen, your kids are going to be okay. It might be different than the way you would do it, and they're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so important. And, you know, I talk about this in the ebook that I wrote, and it's called They Can Do It. My new small business course is You Can Do It. But the kids, you know, it's so important to remember that they can do it. Like, they can literally do so much more than we think they can. They just have to be given the opportunity and the confidence to know that they can. And I think parents, you know, might think, oh, well, this is how I want to show my love is for doing these things for them, like filling their sippy cup or getting them their blanket or doing their laundry for them or making dinner for them. And it's like, if you give them the tools to do that for themselves, that's a much greater gift than just doing it all for them. For sure. Totally. You have the best line in your ebook. And I've been doing it with my kids lately. And it says, if a five-year-old can handle a smartphone, they can do a load of laundry. Yes. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? Like, that would hit me right. so hard. I'm like, my goodness, my seven-year-old is so adept on the iPad and screens and yeah. tablets and, the, you know, Better Apple TV me. and all that. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. The washing machine is so much easier <laughs> than so all easy. those. It's like you turn it to this dial. Like we can put a piece of tape. Like this is the one you want. Here's the piece of tape. Click put it to this. Soap. Pour soap in. Like this is nothing. Yeah. And I got to tell you though, I don't know if you get any responses back. It was quite a shock to the kids to be like, wait, what? We don't want to do laundry. You do laundry. Like, no, no, no. You're going to do laundry now. And it changes what they think is dirty versus clean. It used to be take off oh. clothes straight into the big yeah. pile. You start making yep. them do their own laundry. All of a sudden, it's like, no, no, no. This isn't dirty yet. I'm going to fold this, put it back in my drawer. Yep. It's so true. And that's the only way to teach them that is to make it do themselves. And my girls are out running around getting dirty all day. And it's so funny on Instagram. That's like the number one question I get is people are so shocked that I'm not worried about the clothes getting dirty or stained and like, what laundry detergent do you use and how much laundry do you do? And I'm, my response is always like, I don't know. The kids do it. My clean clothes show up on my bed. They're not in the very deep pile. They just throw them from the laundry basket on my bed, but I'm fine with that. Yeah. And they, they do their own laundry and it's true. You know, more often I'll have to say, I think maybe that shirt does need to be washed. You shouldn't wear it again. Mm. But you know, when they're responsible for it, um, they really take pride in it and they are more accountable. Mm. So do you guys have screen? We do. The girls have Kindles to read books. Mm -hmm. My mom gave them for Christmas. And, you know, occasionally they'll 
uh, it's a lot easier. You know, we don't have a huge library or bookstore nearby. So if they want to read books, it's nice to have a Kindle. Yeah. And occasionally they'll watch a movie on um, one of our laptops. Okay. But, you know, it's a pretty rare occurrence. Yeah, But I think it's important that they have that in their lives or they're you know going to get to a point where someone hands it to them and they're they're not going to put it down right but they understand you know the boundaries and and they kind of police themselves you know if one of them's reading a book and the others are like what are you doing it's so nice outside like save that for when it's dark out get outside and play with us Mm. so they kind of put their own timelines on it and because there's so much to do outside i think they're more drawn to go playing outside yeah don't have like a oh 20 minute timer and you have to be off your off your Kindle, we kind of let them self-police. And do you homeschool them or is there a school nearby? We have a great public school right in town. Mm-hmm. We're really lucky. It's a K through five and then there's a great junior high and a high school. There's only about 2,000 people in our valley, but the schools are really strong and we've got just amazing teachers who, you know, are parents and members of the community who really care about these kids. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. Hey Rebels, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Save the Storks. Save the Storks helps moms with an unplanned pregnancy. And that's my story. I was an unplanned pregnancy. My birth mom was 16 and faced an uphill battle. And a pregnancy resource center in her area helped her carry me all the way to fruition and then helped adopt me into my family. And Save the Storks helps pregnancy resource centers across the country with stork buses providing mobile ultrasound machines where four out of five moms choose life after seeing their baby on an ultrasound and hearing the heartbeat. Over 6,000 babies have been saved on stork buses. Please support Save the Storks with your prayers and visit savethestorks.com to become a monthly sponsor. Join the movement and help us revolutionize the meaning of pro-life. For more information, visit SaveTheStorks.com. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? What other things have you now decided? Hey, you know what? You can do a lot of other things. What are those types of things? The difference between chores and jobs. What are those things that that you're letting them do at earlier and earlier ages? So the um, chores around the house, you know, is really kind of everybody's responsibility. And so they understand that, you know, one of us can't do it all. And there's so much to do on the ranch with the animals. And I think Mm -hmm. that really resets everyone's priorities, knowing that there's a bigger picture out there. We always say we feed our animals before we feed ourselves. Mm -hmm. So the ranch has to be taken care of first. And then we worry about our own needs. So, you know, some days the house is a total mess because we're all outside and it's just the lowest priority. But then we come in and they recognize, hey, we've all been working. Mom's not going to clean up this whole house. Dad's not going to do all the dishes. If we all pitch in, it'll get done. And sometimes they need a reminder. You know, (laughs) sometimes they want to just go (laughs) flop on the couch. We're like, hey, get this done. And they do. So that, you know, normal chores around the house like that just kind of happen all hands on deck. And then Mm. things like making dinner. Occasionally, Brian and I will be out with maybe a sick cow or we need to pull a calf. And I remember right when we first moved there, we were out in the pouring rain and there was no way either of us could be pulled away from this. And the kids were inside and I ran in and just said, girls, you know, dad and I are going to be out here for the next three or four hours. So you got to make dinner, figure it out. And they did, you know, they made pasta and it was like, had way too much cheese on it, (laughs) but they (laughs) ate it because they were hungry (laughs) and they figured out the next time to like do it a little differently. We have an electric stove top, which is nice. You know, I went from this beautiful gas grill to this like kind of crappy electric stove, but it's actually nice because you worry a lot less about the danger of, you know, Mm -hmm. catching their house down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so they really pick up the slack on a lot of things like that. And Tessa, the baby of the family gets babied, you know, like anybody does. So they Mm. all kind of help her out, get her dressed, even though she's not that much younger, but she plays the role well. So they will, you know, (laughs) give her their sister's bath and brush her hair and do those kind of things themselves. And then work on the ranch is usually all hands on deck, but there's a few things that we do pay the girls for Mm. if it replaces a hired hand. So we only have one ranch hand on our ranch and he works 40 hours a week, but on a ranch, that's about a third of the time that we're actually one person at five Mary's besides you and your husband running all of that. Are you kidding me? Wow. No, you know, it's so hard to have some trust somebody else to do it as well as you're going to do it. Yeah. We have some other, like we have an older guy who's a mechanic who comes in and fixes the tractors a couple days a week. So, but we really only have one ranch hand for the animals and the farming and all that. But we kind of realize that we like it that way because it really forces us all to be out there doing it. And that's why we moved here. You know, we didn't move here to have somebody else feeding our animals and taking care of our animals. Sure. So if the girls get up before school, they'd have to get up an hour early and they help Ryan feed. And then he can have the ranch hand start an hour later. Then they get paid the same that we would pay the ranch hand. Cause we want them to understand that, you know, if they're doing the same value of work, we're going to pay them the same. Oh. So they love that and they're wow. very motivated to want to get up before school and they take turns on who's going to do that. And some days none of them do. And the ranch hand comes in, helps Brian. Some days I do it. But when they do it, you know, they feel really proud. And oh, I'm even sure. my six-year-old can drive the tractor. Like it scares yeah. me a little bit, but <laughs> my husband just gets it all set up for her. She's in there. She's driving through the trees, making sure not to hit any trees. And she comes back with the biggest smile on her face and the biggest sense of accomplishment And, uh, you know, we're kind of uber safe. We bought the more expensive tractor that had a cab on it and all the extra safety regulations because to us it's worth those dollars to allow our girls to have a little bit more sense of accomplishment. Wow. Do you ever get any Instagram police or Instagram nannies (laughs) telling you that you're bad parents for letting your six-year-old drive a tractor? Yeah. You know, we had a binky war with my six-year-old. Not a war. We just – it was not a battle we'd pick. So my six-year-old had a binky and, you know – we asked her once, like, do you think you're a little old for that? And she looked at us and goes, it makes me so happy and sticks it back in. We're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But it was classic. Funny. I've never gotten more hate messages than that. Oh, you know, I'm like, sure. Oh, ruining her teeth. It's like, Ugh. I mean, everyone has braces now. I don't, yeah. it's not a big deal. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, you get those occasionally. And I've had some people say like, oh, your children are deprived. They're not getting to go to birthday parties and they work all the time. And you know, it's just kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, that's ridiculous. I got to tell you, I've noticed something lately that I noticed in our own home. When my son Lincoln was born, we had a nanny for a while and she was amazing. I mean, she helped around in the house and she helped with Lincoln and it made our lives so much easier. He was colicky for the first seven months of his life too. Yeah. So having that's someone so else hard. hold our screaming kid was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sanity. At, here's what he learned. And I'm seeing this too, because there's a lot of parents that have babysitters you know, they work and they need childcare. I totally get that. I have no problem with it. I didn't even know this was happening until it was far too late, but nannies and babysitters aren't parents. And so they're not really coaching your kids up or disciplining them or correcting them very often. And the whole entire focus is on the child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Lincoln played when he wanted to. He played what he wanted to. He ate Ate what he wanted wanted. to, when he wanted to, what snack he wanted, when he wanted it. Everything was about him all the time. And Claudia would leave. Then he'd look at us like, hey, 
I'm the center of attention. What she are you just, doing? Like, she just met every need hey, I need. Pay had. attention to me. I want to eat right now. It's like, we're not going to eat right now, but I want to eat right now. Like it was, and I'm seeing that more and more with kids who have a lot of babysitters in their lives where it's, that person's not like, no, you can't do that. And this is what we're going to do. And here's what we're going to do. It Telling them what is going to take place in their life, not having the life dictated back to them. Yeah, I think that's a big point that, you know, it's almost the babysitter hangover. Yeah. And I think, you know, there are a lot of great nannies and babysitters out there who try to do that. But kids are always going to push the limit. Yes. Mm. And, you know, I find my kids, they're so independent. If they were left home alone, the house would be clean. The dishes would be done. They would have their things in order. But sometimes we'll have a babysitter and I'll come home and the house is a mess. (laughs) And the kids are acting up and I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they, you know, it's more about fun for them. And they kind of forget that they have responsibilities as a normal human. And they think, oh, well, this person's taking care of it. So I don't need to do anything. Mm -hmm. I think that's a real battle to fight. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, you know, in our life, like we're not on a farm. We don't have, you know, cattle and ranch stuff to do in the morning. You know, there's lots of free time how do you coach parents in giving their kids more autonomy more responsibility when it really just even isn't that necessary like everything's so easy so close Mm -hmm. so handled most of the time do you create new things for them to do like what's that step process you know it just kind of happens naturally on the farm that there's always something to do you know we say like our life is groundhog day because every day it's like, okay, we need to feed the cattle. We need to do this. We need to do this. But in reality, things come up every day that you can't anticipate. And it's either going to be all hands on deck. We all need to deal with this right now. Or, you know, sometimes it's fun things. Like yesterday, the girls took water troughs and played in the pond for four hours and they'd already done their chores. And, you know, we came home, Brian and I were out doing our chores and we came back expecting to find them hanging on the house. And we're like, where are the kids? Nowhere in sight. And they're out there just like getting muddy and hanging out. And I think, you know, it's a good balance of both. Mm. How would you talk to the city mom like me? What would you say to get some country in them or get some farm life into their (laughs) into their life, into their structure? I mean, Mm -hmm. I have a dishwasher. I have everything that does it for me. So it's simple. But I want to teach my kids responsibility also. Yeah, I think just, you know, starting with little things and Mm -hmm. really helping each other out it's a big one instead of so-and-so, you know, tying their shoes, like, Oh, ask your sister to do it. And Oh, can you teach Mm. them how to tie their shoe? Or, you know, can you guys work together and do this? I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. And just also, you know, giving them opportunity to be outside with no agenda. You know, so many things are like, we're going to go to the petting zoo and we're going to go to this thing where they have cooking class, or we're going to go to the zoo where you just walk around, like literally going to a dirt field or a park that has a Creek with no toys no play date, no agenda, Mm. and just having them find, you know, trees to build a fort or rocks to castle with, or just kind of finding their own creativity without giving them any tools really teaches them those tools on how to find it themselves. Oh, I love that. Awesome. Mary, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Thanks for the ebook. We love it. And so do you want to tell the people about the, because you're doing, um, like monthly meat packages from five Mary's, right? Yep. So we sell our beef, pork and lamb right from our ranch. Everything we've raised is all natural as you can get. And we ship it right from our farm store in town here to customers all over the country. 
So we've got either monthly packages that you can subscribe and be a member and we send you each month, but we send you an email before to make sure you're ready. There's no obligations. Or you can just go on our website at shop5minutes.com and order, you know, 10 pounds of ground beef or a beef roast. And we do dry aging on all of our beef, even our ground beef. So it really is a different flavor. People tell me all the time that their kids are addicted to it. And kids who wouldn't touch meat now, they ask, is this five Marys? <laughs> um, so we sell- That's awesome. And then I also wrote a book called They Can Do It, What I Learned About Raising Kids by Moving to the Country. Um, and it's an easy 96-page download PDF with some photos about, you know, kind of our story and our the decision to move to the ranch with the before and afters of what our life looked like. And just those things that I learned, whether it's through chores and expecting more of them and letting them kind of become more independent along the way. Mm. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, we have heard the greatest stories about your meat products. I was over at Costco recently, and they've now started blade tenderizing every steak they sell, which means you have to cook it to an internal temperature of 160 to kill E. coli. It ruins every steak. They're doing ribeye caps that are blade tenderized. It just ruins Mm. everything. And so we want to support you guys and have people come check out shop5marys.com and support great products. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Definitely. Have a great one. Have a good one. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. How fun was that? That was great. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. Man, Rebels, thank you so much for being on. We appreciate it. What a fun time. Check out Five Marys at shop5marys.com on Instagram at Five Marys Farms. F-I-V-E-M-A-R-Y-S Farms. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks to Mary for being on the podcast today, for being open, honest, vulnerable, talking about her story. What a great family to follow on Instagram. Five Mary's Farms on Instagram, more than 100,000 followers. It is so much fun seeing all their pictures and all the things going on in their life. Thanks to our sponsor, Blinkist.com slash Rebel Parenting, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T.com slash Rebel Parenting, a free week of premium service of their 15-minute summaries of nonfiction books, audio and written. Fantastic, fantastic service. And thanks to The Voice of the Martyrs at Persecution.com, providing resources, information, materials to those being persecuted for our gospel for more than 50 years around the world. God bless, Rebels. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House and when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.